0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cyclocross Social Podcast. Today we're covering our first double weekend of Cyclocross. We'll start off today on Saturday with the Super Prestige in Rudervoorde. The first round of the Super Prestige and with me here to discuss that is Issa. Welcome Issa. Yes, thank you. Let's start by discussing the men's race. With the exception of some under-23s like Jente Michels, Pim Ronhaar and Thibaut Nijs, nice, all the main protagonists of this season so far were here in Rudervoorde. Ton van der Bos thought that this was his perfect opportunity to shine and really excel. He took the fastest start and led the pack through the first lap. There were some interesting things going on in that first lap. Both Elie Isebiet and Lauren Zweig had missed their start. Isebiet, it took him one lap to come back to the front of the race and it took Zweig two laps. By that time, whilst Isebiet also had a puncture, Van Tournout and Lars van der Haar had opened a small gap over the rest. Whilst it was Lars van der Haar who took the lead, Michael van Turenhout had a puncture and needed to change his bike. He ended up in the second group. From there on, Lars van der Haar looked to be on towards a pretty easy victory as he was able to extend his gap to 20 seconds when Elie tried to close the gap. Ezebiet took back 5 seconds pretty quickly, but then ultimately fell short. 15 seconds became 16 and then 17 again and then he sat up and waited for the chasers to come. It looked all in the back for Lars van der Haar as he had 30 seconds, but then the misfortune struck. He had a puncture, still had a lead of 5 seconds, but then immediately had another puncture again. Elie Izubiet, who had been sitting in the wheel of Lauren Zweig for the best of 35 minutes, was taking maximum advantage of this. He attacked from behind the back of Zweig, closed the final 5 seconds to Lars van der Haar, Van der Haar, who was riding on the flat tire at that moment, of course couldn't follow Isebiet. Isebeet just steamrolled past and went towards victory here in Ruddervoorde. He took the victory ahead of Laurens Zweig, who was very disappointed and upset about the attitude in the race of Isebiet, whilst Lars van der Haar was the unlucky third in the race. Let's start with Lars van der Haar, the European champion, super unlucky. He really deserved the victory today, he was clearly the strongest for the most of the race and ultimately super unlucky to have those two punctures. Although, was it luck or was it just bad decision making as he said himself, on
1: Why? I think it mainly luck. For when, when he was at the front and he had the gap, I think there was no one doubting the fact that he was going to lose that race and... Yeah, then he said in the in the interview after the race that the first puncture was um, unlucky and that the second puncture was more his fault because um, of the uh, the bridge that they were going over. It that you know he didn't lift his rear tires that he went like full on on the on the on the side of, of that bridge and that um, that eventually caused the puncture, but you know i think that overall you can just conclude that he should have been the one winning he, when he broke away there with van tournout he took over immediately knew that it was his chance and didn't really look back from that and yeah i think that if you if you look at that race there was one winner that really deserved it the most and that was in position prime position to win this race and that was van der Aaren. yeah uh, it is cyclo is a sport that uh, has mechanical failures and, and and punctures and all that so yeah, it's, it's part of the sport, but it's definitely not the nice side of it.
0: It's easy to say that it's his own mistake, and I think there is somewhat truth in that. If you know that the edge of that bridge is sharp, you should lift up your back wheel. He said it himself, I should have known it at the second one, and I thought I could still have won if I hadn't had that second puncture. But on the other hand, I do think that it's also a task of the race organizers to prevent these things if there are these many punctures, because already at the front of the race we saw a puncture for Easybeet, puncture for Van and now two punctures for Van der Haar, that's really not something that should be happening. Of course it's a completely different situation than races like BLS where there's just rocks in the underground and a surface that's just not appropriate for cyclocross racing, but the course designers really should come up with a solution for this in future years because this field will now go to rest and next year they will build up the course and This bridge that they have over the small water is essential for them to connect the man-made hills they have and they can't go around it. But they need to come up with some sort of solution because you can't be having this every year. What type of solution? Either rebuild this bridge in the summer, if that's too expensive. They have bigger bridges on the course, they can put one over the water as well, which I think is maybe even more expensive, but that's for the race organizers to decide. They need to prevent this from happening, because ultimately it kind of robbed Van der Haar from... EZB didn't fully deserve the win today, because Lars Van der Haar deserved the win, but we can't really hold it against him. You know when you're racing cross, anything can happen. You can have a puncture, there can be crashes, mechanicals, whatsoever, and he just took maximum advantage of a situation that presented himself to him. So we can't really blame beat for taking the win in the end. That's more the feeling I have, because some people are very upset about how it happened and the way that he raced but i just think he took maximum profit from an opportunity
1: yeah you cannot blame him for for what he did in the race um you know when he when he was in the wheel of swake and that's probably where the, the most upset is about the fact that he was you know, in the wheel of swake while swake had to you know pull for two three laps i think even four but you know he is somebody that has a is quite a program compared to the others. Uh, he wants to win in the world cup, he wants to do good in and well in in, in the super prestige and the XCO trophy is also something that he is uh, aiming for to to do well. And then you have to make choices. It was quite clear that he was racing in a way with with Maas and and the upcoming races uh, at the back of his head and. You know, when he saw that, that, that Van der Haar was gone, he tried, but then realized that it was not going to be uh, possible for him to to catch him back and then, you know, made the decision that he was going to race for second. And I think Sveik definitely had something in his mind that he thought that he could still race for victory or was hoping on, 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 on mistakes or, or mechanicals for, for Van der Haar and they came. And that brought Easerbeat right up in the race again. And if you're going to bring him <laughs> with the last two laps to go in, in a position where he can win, Easerbeat is definitely going to take them. And, you know, that's the finisher he is. That's what we saw today. And I think that uh, only props to him for finishing it off. Because there are many riders that would be brought in such a position and would not finish it. So I think that he just did the right thing. And there's not really, you know, you cannot be a fan of it. But at the end of the day, uh, he's the one that won the race. So, yeah.
0: I do understand the frustration of Zweig. There's nothing more frustrating than doing all the work, riding your heart out the entire race, and then ultimately coming short because somebody profits from your work. It's the typical free rider behavior, and I think that Zweig and Izabit were engaged in a prisoner's dilemma. Izabit was not going to work because he was saving energy. Zweig, if he decides then to not work, both don't win the race. Whilst, you know, everything can happen in cyclocross. Zweig eventually makes the decision to go for the, well, unfavorable decision, because if he races his heart out, tries to keep the gap close, and something happens to Van der Haar, which all happened, then Izbiet is the laughing third guy, and he takes the win. If he doesn't ride, then Izbiet and Zweig will be fighting for that second place still, but they will have riders like Hermans and Van Toren out there, so it's a very difficult situation to be in. I think Sway could have been a bit smarter, he could have saved himself, but on the other hand, the decision to keep pacing and keep some pressure on Van der Haar did somewhat pay off. Because if he wouldn't have done that, then he would have had no chance of victory at all. Now he had at least a very small chance once they called Van der Haar. So it's a very tricky tricky situation, I can understand his frustration, I think in that interview that he gave where he said, this is unchampion like behavior, if you're true, true champion you pace, this is very low from two teammates, there was definitely some frustration in that, that's left from him leaving Paul Sauer departing in a bad relationship with the riders at Paul Souser, he definitely wasn't happy there. So... Yeah, there's definitely some of that frustration left there and that came out now, so I'm interested to see because I thought today he was already riding around with a bit of hatred towards them, definitely riding on anger and temper. And I'm interested to see tomorrow, will we see that carry on in Masmechle, and will we see a super aggressive Swaik that's really determined to finally beat them or will Eli Isubit still be the smartest and profit from the fact that he saved himself today and is a bit fresher tomorrow? I'm interested, what do you think?
1: I just hope that he keeps his cool to be honest, because I think that today as well he was frustrated obviously first with, with a bad start. Then when he was in a position that he thought that he could close that gap to van der Haar, Van Thurnout and Israbe were not really bothered to do anything. And I think that's the really started Ignite his, his frustration because he felt that because they were with two they should at least like put one because Van Turnout was not really the best out of the two at least von should have paced there to make sure that the gap was not growing that fast and um, you know for him it's just a case of making sure that he keeps his cool because like an opportunity like today there was no point for him to to go all out other than in a situation what, what occurred right now because i think that if for example van der haar was actually able to get away and didn't have those two punctures then he would be third so now he got the maximum I think that was achievable in that situation, which was second. Um, but you know, for tomorrow he just needs to make sure that he is in the right wheels, not be uh, racing with emotions, but racing with with the with the mind, and just be smart, outsmart them, and then there is definitely a chance for him. I think.
0: Let's take a look at the entire top ten. Then Isabit taking the win ahead of Laurens Veek and Lars van der Haar. Fourth place was for Quinten Hermans ahead of Michael van Toerenhout and Toon van der Bos, And then we see the Spanish champion in seventh, Felipe Orts, ahead of Niels van der Putten, Mace Hendricks and the Swiss champion rounds of the top ten in the person of Kevin Kuhn. I think today Quinten Hermans put in an okay performance. Maybe not what we would have wanted to see from him. I was at least hoping for a podium, but we have to be realistic and... Really see that this is not a course for Hermans, And the same goes for Van Tourenhout. It's a super technical course. It's really the embodiment of a Belgian cyclocross race. It's just a field with a hill. Let's put as many turns in it as possible. Some obstacles. And those really are not the courses for Hermans and Van Tourenhout. I even heard it like after the race broadcast. I think it was Van Turenaut who said on the microphone. I just can't keep up with these short guys on the corner sections. So the technical sections that is. And that is really telling i just think this is not the course for Hermann and van torenhout and that's why they are fourth and fifth but nothing too serious these are riders that need heavy climbing courses or the mud
1: i can only agree with that i mean i think that was Sveg actually that said it but both guys very tall guys when you have those small turns it's very it's quite hard if you're especially a bit longer to get through the slow turns and get your body around with your bike It's it's quite difficult and you know van der Haar and Iserby definitely have an advantage because of their heights that's one of their advantages and yeah i mean on this parkour it's just a matter of trying to get the most out of it i think for Hermans this was the best he could do and it's just to try and get the the rhythm out and the races that will suit him a little bit more will come his way quite um quite quickly so then he can um show his real his real pace and the real position i think because i think that he definitely can bring up the fight to isabit and and the guys up front
0: yeah the small riders are definitely a bit more viable around the corners and in general isabit is a very versatile rider he can do basically anything he's good on the climbing courses he's all right on the tractor efforts and the real muddy crosses especially against these guys, so no shame in not being able to keep up with him today, and I'm interested to see again tomorrow. I do think tomorrow comes pretty close to today in terms of course, so maybe they won't be great, but then Van Thurenhout can really focus himself on the Koppenberg on the other hand. Final on the top 10, I think there were some interesting riders in there, Kuhn and Orts definitely did a nice job today. Kuhn was also doing well last week in Tabor, and also good to see Mace Hendricks getting a uh, top 10 again. He certainly did a good job as well today. Let's go and talk about the women's race then. That was, in my opinion, at least not the most interesting race. We had a couple of names missing at the start line. We won't go into them too long. But the youngsters, Fash, Van Anrooy, Van Empel, Pieterse, were all prioritizing the World Cup tomorrow in Maasmechelen. Lucinda Brandt, of course, still out with an injury. And Marianne Vos is also racing tomorrow. That meant that this was the perfect opportunity for some other riders to get their first win of the season and really focus on the Super Prestige as a classification they want to win. We had the fastest start for Inge van der Heide, and she really set the tone for what would be a very good race for her there right away. She was drilling it in the first lap and continued to do so in the second lap. She was able to eventually create a situation where she was in a leading group of three together with Betsema Alvarado. Alvarado was on the yo-yo the entire time, on and off the third wheel of the group, and eventually the cord of the yo-yo snapped and she was dropped. That meant that we had Betsma and van der Heide, and these two took turns in leading. but most of the time it was Betsma who just tried to drain the legs of van der Heide. A very smart tactic on this course. That eventually worked with one and a half laps to go when the court for van der Heide snapped and Betsema could go on and claim her second victory in Rutherford as she won here last year as well and her first win of the season. She's immediately the leader in the Super Prestige ahead of Inge van der Heide and Seyendel Carmen Alvarado. It's been quite a while Issam for Betsema to win a race this season, normally we would see her win one of the Etios this year exact crosses. Not this year though but she said she's working towards the championships unlike past seasons do you think that today was really a sign of improvement in terms of form or was it more benefit of the fact that some riders were missing today?
1: Well, I think it's more a case of uh, the fact that that, that Betsema is, um, I wouldn't say lucky, but we're missing some key riders, so that really helped her in a way but i think as well that you could see that it was a tendency that her form was improving and she was um looking better every race in a way and we saw the line of improvement so i think it's a combination of both but it has more to do with the fact that we are missing those key riders because i think that you know would it have played with 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 the Funample for example then it would have end up the same way we have seen it end up in in several races i think that 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 would just have been the case i think that van der heide and alvarado i think alvarado was quite disappointing in a way forced even more to be honest uh and van der heide was just having a very good day and i think that's yeah overall it everybody was more in his place and um probably one of the less or the less exciting races that we had in the women category this season we'll know more tomorrow when
0: Petsma is racing in the World Cup against Van Empel, and Pieterse will know where she really stands. I do think that her form is improving throughout the weeks. We've seen the evidence of that in her results already. But today, it's just not really a proper race where you can determine the level of the riders. Too many riders missing, other riders taking it easy with a busy period. We'll really know a lot tomorrow. Kopenberg, and especially at the European Championships. Everyone will want to be fresh there, and will know how everybody is doing when we are there. Van der Heide, I don't think she had a good day today. I think this is just a continuation of the form of this season on a course that is very good for her. I already said it, the course has many corners, and that's something Van der Heide is good in. These short accelerations, last year she already ended on the podium here as well, I think she was third from the top of my head. This is really a course that suits her. And therefore, I also expected her to do well. Still, I do agree with you that it is a disappointing race by Alvarado, who has not been able to fully utilize the momentum she picked up in Waterloo and still looked good in Fayetteville. And the same goes for Worscht. This really would have been a great opportunity for her to win, or at least end second after a couple of third places behind the big names when she was kind of under the radar. Because she ended third in Faya 2 on Tabor, and still she was not mentioned at all for this race. People were looking at Betsma and Alvarado, whilst Worst had a better season so far. But today she wasn't able to utilize on that, so that's very unfortunate for her. I don't know if there's any reason behind it, but again, as I said, it's a busy period. We don't know if this weekend is a priority for her or not might be that she did a hard week of training, finishes off with a hard block of racing, then takes rest and then hopes to be in very good form at the European Championships. Perfectly possible, but we just need to wait and see. And it's definitely shake- shaking up to be interesting. But I want to see more before I really determine the level of the riders. So for now, very boring answer, but I think it's just too soon to tell.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't really know what was the, what was the problem with uh, Vorst, but it looked quite bad from 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 the start. I mean, she was struggling from from lap one, was on a gap and never really was able to to get in the race. There were some reports during the broadcast on the Belgian television that I mean, that her reckon ride was also quite sweaty and it didn't look great. Um, and maybe that was just um, of not having a, a good day. I mean, you cannot expect the riders to have a good day <laughs> over the season, and I think that that was just maybe the case for Vorst. I don't think that the form disappeared out of nowhere, unless there is some illness during the week that we that we were not aware of or that we haven't heard, and that might have played a role in this. But, you know, normally the Vorst that we have seen the last couple of weeks should have been able to, to, to bring up the fight to Betseman. Actually, in my opinion, even win but it wasn't the case and yeah then you have to um settle for fourth. see what happened and maybe we'll know more tomorrow if she's able to 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 pick it up again and, and be a little bit better but who knows
0: let's look at the entire top 10 then behind the four dutch riders betsema van der heide alvarado and worst we find a belgian mario norway Riberol ahead of Annick van alfa and sanne kant in the back end of the top 10 we find the Spanish rider Lucia Gonzalez Blanco putting in a very strong performance ahead of Perrine Clausel and Zoe Backstead. A couple of performances here that we certainly need to discuss. Let's start by discussing the Belgian duo of Krélan friestadz Ribero and Kant. Ribero is having a bit of uh, an up and down season so far. Some very good performances as today. Also some slightly worse performances like Eita in Woerde, which definitely was below her potential. Fourth in Ardoi, which also was not ideal, could have been a bit better. So it's been a bit up and down, but today was certainly a good performance. If you recall back to the team presentation we were at of Craylon 3 there was talks that Kant would easily claim another Belgian title. But so far, Ribereau has been the best Belgian this season. I know it's already premature to already draw this conclusion for the championships, but how do you... Explain the fact that Ribero is continuously making steps whilst Kant who has still shown that she can improve on the road is not able to make any steps anymore and is declining every year in cyclocross
1: maybe it has to do something with that aspect of the road but um, I think we for for the start of the season we can conclude that Kant is um, I would say disappointing in a way uh, um, I think that Ribero definitely like you said had on and offs but in my opinion is, is is actually doing quite well this season starting quite well and for Kant the same cannot be said it's 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 difficult start We you know that Kant normally likes a little bit more the the, the tougher parcours uh, the more rain and mud the better for her and I think that maybe you should uh, wait a little bit on, on, on you know on a conclusion for the form that she is in and knowing Kant she has that Belgian championship as a goal so she will try everything to make sure that she will be at her best there and at the championships in general. But yeah, it's definitely not a, a great sign that we are having so far that you know Ribero is, is, is in my opinion, uh, the better Belgian woman at the moment and yeah, I think the, the coming races will definitely show us if this is like really only because of the start of the season or is going to be a continuation over the rest of the season?
0: It shouldn't be super weird that Ribeiro is progressing. We know that there is a lot of potential in her. She is under-23 world champion from Dubendorf with a reason. She is strong on the muddier courses, already had a couple of very good results. She ended third in the Jahrmarkt course Niel 2019. I remember that in that season, she was often in the top 10, even of World Cups. After that world title, she got a number of top 10s, even top 5 results. And the season after, she was also able to replicate those good results at the back end of the season. She had a tough start, but eventually got a number of top 10 results as well, even in Super Prestige races. Last year, she had a rough season, still was able to get a handful of top 10s but it was a tough season but we know the potential is there and i think that in the new team a new setting there is staff that's more capable of getting that talent out of her than was the case at the Star Casino team if we look on the other hand at the situation of Sonakant we know that she is still a very strong rider but maybe more on the road these days and there's no shame in that because when you come older when you become older your acceleration diminishes. It becomes, well, worse and worse in a way. And it doesn't have to be terrible, but it's just declining. Whereas on the road, you can rely mainly on your endurance. And Kant, her endurance base is clearly very strong. We know that she is somebody who works hard, puts in the hours on the road, builds a solid base. And that's maybe why she's able to do super well on the road, still has a sprint, which is completely different than a cyclocross effort. And therefore is still doing well on the road, but is struggling in cross. And there's no shame in that. But I do think that it will be interesting going towards the Belgian Championships to see if Kant can bounce back when the real cross conditions arrive, or that Riberol will take over for now as leading lady of the Belgian cyclocross team. But I do think Riberol will be passed in the future by Fleur Morse. Then another rider in the top 10, Lucia Gonzalez Blanco, the Spanish champion, eighth place. I have to say that despite the starting field, I was surprised to see her in 8th. It's way above my expectations, I thought, at top 15 at max.
1: Yeah, I was quite surprised, to be honest, to see her in the, in the top 10 as well. And, you know, um, it wasn't a flawless race. There were some moments, especially in Descent, the slow that we have seen. But you know, everybody can, can have their moments in a way. But she, she managed to, to, to get in the top 10. and you know, uh, leave behind uh, names uh, like, like a Buckstead, for example. So I think that in general she can be um, quite satisfied with the result and I think like you said, even though the field is lacking some, some key names uh, then you still need to be able to to get in the top 10 and I think that is still quite a, a representative and, and an okay field. So I think that if you're able to manage it an 8th place I think that's definitely not, um, not bad and actually quite good it's certainly
0: good and you already mentioned zoe backstead and i don't know if i've already said it on the podcast or not but the expectations for her this season are way too high i've seen many people say or think or hope that she is able to fight for wins against van empel pieterse and van amroy there's just no way that that's possible now i don't want to discredit zoe backstead because she's obviously a very talented rider She is multi-talented on the road, has done super well on the track and in cross. But first of all, today is not a course for her, it's way too technical, she's more a power rider. But second of all, the expectations are just too high. Last year she ended 10th here, this year she's 10th again, in roughly the same field. I think her level is also roughly the same, I haven't seen all too much improvement so far. These races in France didn't indicate any significant improvement either. And that's fine, that can still come. We know she's had a busy summer and is in a new team now, takes some time to settle. But it's just unrealistic to expect her to immediately be contending with riders who are already two or three years older than her. And to be honest, I don't think she has that talent in Cyclocross as well. I think that Van Empel is just so naturally gifted and perfect for Cross. Same goes for Petersen. And I don't think Backset has that talent. Doesn't mean that she will never be able to beat them, because especially on the super muddy courses, really where you need to be a buffle and have the power, then she does have the talent and really has the opportunity to excel. But maybe people should just, no, not maybe, people should expect less from her, because thinking that she'll be able to fight for the win or putting her up in it with names like Brandt or Foss returning to Cross, and then it's just way too much. Keep it it calm, and if the three Dutch women decide to race the world championships with the elites, she maybe even has a shot at the under-23 world title. But for now, lay low, not too much pressure, and certainly not too many expectations. Then, to round off this episode of the Cyclocross Social Podcast, we are going to take a look At some races in the rest of Europe, there was a race in Poland in Mikolo, and Marek Konwa took the win in the men's race ahead of Simon Vaniček and Jakob Riemann. In the women's race, Pavla Havlikova took the win ahead of Dominika Vordislak and Nadja Heigel ended third. In Italy, there was also racing. There was the International Cyclocross Breguillo, and the men's race was won by Federico Seolin ahead of Samuel Leone and Christian Cominelli. The women's race was won by Sarah Casasola ahead of Rebecca Garibaldi and Alice Papo. Isam, thank you once again for being here. That will finish our coverage for Rudervorde.
1: Yes, thank you. We speak uh, again tomorrow.
0: <laughs> yes, tomorrow for the fourth round of the UCI Cyclocross World Cup in Maasmechelen. See you guys then. Goodbye.